If you need to turn your misery into meaning, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. If you've checked all the boxes, accomplished all the things, read all the books, and still suffocating in your work at home, struggling to find the purpose of it all, go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today I want to talk about self-sufficiency in adolescence. That's right, in adolescence. Uh, I did a previous episode on self-reliance in adults, but today I want to talk about self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and adolescence because there's been such a, a huge link between adolescents who feel like they have to have all the answers, they have to know all the things, and suicidal ideations because, because they're not asking for help, because they're not seeking assistance, because they're not sharing their emotional experiences, the burdens, what's bothering them, the pains, the pressures, all the things with anyone else. And, you know, I mean, I'm similar. I'm 47 and I still am like, I got this. I can do it myself. But there was a study in the National Library of Medicine. This is where this is coming from. National Library of Medicine, National Center for Biotechnology Information. Oh, that sounds real technical. And they found that when they did a study with 2,100 students, that's a a pretty large and significant study, is that a lot of these students felt like they should be able to solve the problems on their own. And when they have that thinking, it's been strongly linked to suicidal ideations and depressive symptoms, right? This idea that I got this, I don't need help, I don't need a tutor, I don't need to reach out, it, it causes us to those depressive symptoms, it, you know, are like sleeping longer, eating more, partying late, being reactive and moody, um, wearing the same thing over and over, disregarding our hygiene, isolating, um, and and so many other things that we just assume are, you know, oh, the, the typical teenage angst. But a lot of it could be that they really need help. And they feel like they have to solve it all on their own. And they're not asking for assistance. They're not letting anyone in, right? And they have good reason. I mean, for a lot of them, for a lot of adolescents, and and if there are any adolescents uh, uh, tuning in, you know, please uh, contact me. Let me know, like, you know, if, if we're off the mark here. But according to this study, part of them not reaching out and asking for help and feeling like, they have to solve the problems on their own is a fear that they'll be betrayed for their con um, they'll have their confidentiality betrayed. Like they'll talk to a therapist or talk to a, a school counselor and then that person will talk and share with other people. And as a result, they may fear that they'll be judged by their peers, teachers, family members. And, and these are legit because there are instances where, for sure people have opened up myself I've opened up to people and there's been some betrayal there's been some sharing of confidential information and it hurt 
And it, it really um, dislodged me in, in so many ways. Um, but continuing on with the other reasons and the other barriers to adolescents getting help are the, the fear that they'll be treated differently or dis- discriminated against. You know, you maybe they'll put you in a different class or they, the teacher will address you in a different way to draw attention to the thing that you're getting help on or, you know, heaven forbid the principal announces your name or your issues over the, the intercom for everybody. I mean, you know, one of the fears is you're at a public gathering or party like that movie Carrie and then all of a sudden, um, it, it's it, it, it's there to embarrass you in some kind of way. You know, during someone's speech, they bring up your issues, and there's also a feeling of hopelessness that any treatment can be effective, right? So these are all the different reasons why an adolescent may not seek help, may not open up. They may seem closed off. They shut the door. They blast the music. They put their headphones on. All these uh, barriers that they put up is really a signal that there's something they want to share and they feel like they have no one to open up to, nowhere to go, no space to exhale, right? And and as a result, a lot of them use the internet, right? They go to the internet and the internet seems like a wealth of resources. Like, oh, I can go there and get the answers. There's YouTube videos. There are professors and psychologists and and articles and blogs and all these uh, different people who, you know, they, they seem legit. And a lot of them are. But the problem with going to the internet is that the information can be consistent, inconsistent and also not accurate, right? It may not be as accurate as talking to an adult or a counselor. And part of that reason is when we are seeking help via the internet only, we nine times out of 10 aren't aware of all the issues that uh, are contributing to our, to our trouble, to our pain, to our burden, to our pressure. So then we're not sharing all that information. And because uh, we're not sharing enough information, we're not getting enough information back that could help us in a holistic way, right? So, for instance, if you go, uh, well, I'm upset because my, uh, my, me and my mom, we argue all the time, right? Uh, as a kid, oh, there could be so much more to that because your mom could be uh, also abusing you. Maybe she's never there. Maybe the argument's always on the phone. There's so many details that we don't really share when we're corresponding via the internet, where if you were sitting in a room with somebody face to face or through, uh, uh, you know, like a Zoom one on one, like teletherapy, then uh, you would open up because the person then could read your body language, can hear your tonality, can get you to explore areas that you may not even have thought to explore. I mean, even for myself, when I'm sharing on this podcast, I find myself discussing things and sharing things that I was like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was a thing or I've forgotten about that, that memory and how that's linked to this and, uh, you know, just being able to connect the dots like that. So um, the other problem with going to the internet for information is that it exposes us to internet trolls. You know, people who are there purposely to upset you, you know, you, you get on some forum, 
a lot of kids like to get on these forums, these Reddit forums, and they ask questions. And, and there's people who are trolling who are, you know, egging them on to, to, to end their life or to, to do some type of self-harm, you know, just out of uh, entertainment purposes or they're just insidious. And so when we get on the Internet and, you know, we log into a thing, it exposes us to, to people who have uh, insidious, um, you know, intentions. And it's hard to get out of that, especially if you're in a room by yourself and, and no one around. You can kind of get sucked in. Whereas if you're in a public space and this is happening, it's easier to walk away, right? Um, and so how do we, if, if we're adults, right? As adults, if you have a, an adolescent kid and you're like, wow, I really want my kid to open up. I really want to be able to connect with my kid and, and get them to talk more. Well, here are a few ways that we can really get our kid to open up. Number one, and this is probably the most important thing, and, and, and uh, this is coming from Impact Parents. Uh, it's, a, it's a blog, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to both of these articles in the show notes. Uh, this is really powerful. Number one is don't offer solutions, right? A lot of times when kids are coming to us, they just want us to listen they don't want us to fix it. They don't want us to have answers. They just want us to listen. So instead of giving your kid an answer to everything that they're saying, instead of uh, you know finding a solution or being like, "I'm gonna go take care of this right now," a lot of parents, you know, they it, it kind of feeds the ego. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll handle this. Don't you worry about it. And that's exactly what the kid was afraid of. The kid was afraid of that you would try to step in and handle it. And then uh, end up embarrassing them even more, or and because you you've made it worse, or you blown, uh, you made a, a mountain out of a molehill, right? So do not offer solutions. You can say something like, you know, tell me up to what point that you're feeling stuck, or where in your body do you feel the pressure, or. Um, you know, a, a, an intensity level of one to 10, where do you feel like you are right that? Or just say, tell me more. Just say, tell me more about that. Whatever they open up to you about, you know, it's like, I hate, you know, this, this kid and, or I hate my teacher. Blah. All right, tell me more about that. Tell me more about this hate. Tell me, uh, you know, w- w- you know, uh, dig a little deeper, open up, um, uh, you know, and, and, you know, kind of, you're, you're kind of like a detective. You just want them to keep talking. You just want them to open up more and explore their story, explore their narrative. You're just trying to gather as much information as you possibly can. Just keep them talking. Because the more that they talk, the more it dissipates their energy, right? You don't have the answers. You don't have the solutions. Just get have the mindset of tell me more. Tell me more about that. Oh, what does that mean, right? Because you don't want to keep saying "tell me more," but you could say, "Can you can you tell me what that means?" or, or uh, where do you feel that in your body? Really getting them into their body, because a lot of times they're in their head. If we can get them into their body, it's it's really a beautiful thing to help break up the energy. And then at some point, because if you can connect with them and they feel like they can come to you, uh, so that you will just listen without judgment, without solutions, then they'll start to ask you for answers. Then they'll start to ask you for solutions. But do not 
offer up solutions off the bat, right? The second thing that we can do is teach our teens how to initiate asking for help, right? They can say things like, quote, I'm trying to, but I'm confused, or, uh, you know, am I on the right track with this? Or, um, you know, I'm, quote, I'm a bit unclear with that explanation. Like, give them ways that they can initiate asking for help, right? Um, or maybe that could be a code word between you two. Like, instead of saying help, maybe there's a sign language or a handshake or a way that you hug or a color or a song that's played, something to signal that your kid needs help and that they don't know how to talk about it. A lot of times the kid is like, man, I really want to open up and I really want to ask for help. I just don't know where to start. And so maybe the kid can signal that, hey, hey, when I play this song, this means that I need help. It's kind of like sending out the bat signal. And then that's, that, that's a, a sign for you to just show up and then let them lead. You're following their lead. It's a dance. Let them, you know, if, if, you, if they played a song or throw the, the, the sign or whatever, um, or whatever the code word is, right, for help, then you just wait. You can just show up because it, it could very easily it could, it could most likely be that they just want you there by their side and they don't need to talk. And if they don't want to talk and they don't need to talk, that's fine too. It's just knowing that you'll show up when they need someone there and, and that could really be the solution uh, or, or at least get you on track to part of the solution, right? Um, and the third thing that we can do is teach our kids that Adults are real people. A lot of times I think as adults, when we're around kids, we try to act like we're perfect. We have all the answers. We know all and we know we know all, see all, do all. Um, but we really have to teach kids that adults are people too. Adults have, have needs, we have we have wants, uh, we have we have troubles and challenges and, and trials and and tragedies. And so uh, instead of having the kid view the adult as uh, the ultimate authority, uh, that can be troubling because then the kid will feel even less than, even more inadequate of like, how are you so perfect as an adult and I have all these issues? So, you know, breaking down um, that the, the teacher or the counselor or, the, or whoever that they're having some type of issue with, they have their own... Um, their own internal battles and external battles taking place also. Um, and then the fourth thing we can do is reframe help. What, what it is, because a lot of times kids are afraid to ask for help because they think it means that they're weak or, uh, you know, or they have some type of uh, something's wrong with them and, or that they lack uh, courage. And we just have to remind them that asking for help is uh, also a way of demonstrating that they have courage, that they have strength, and that when we ask for help, um, it's it's in line with with what all great people do. Whether you're talking about superheroes, companies, contractors, they all have help. They all have a support staff. Whether you're talking about the president of the United States or the captain of a ship, he's not captaining the ship by himself. He has hundreds of other men 
who are working for and with him. So help does not mean that you're weak. It means that it's a part of leading. It's a part of courage and taking action and moving forward, right? And then the last thing, you know, we can do is if we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do, offer up a hug. Just open the arms up. Be like, listen, I don't, you know, I don't have the answers, uh, but will a hug, you know, suffice for now? Can we can we do a hug or, you know, go for a walk? That kind of thing. And and just see what comes up, you know. Um, being there. But, but the most important thing is, number one, is, uh, you know, not offering solutions and not judging them and just letting them know that, that you'll be there for them and that if they do want a solution or answer, that you know you're available for that, but in the meantime, you're willing to sit shoulder to shoulder with them in their despair and their darkness and their troubling times, and and slowly, um, uh, you know, connecting with that. And then you know a, a, another thing that, um, as is coming to mind, one of the things that helps me is Michelle when we're watching TV shows, we'll often discuss the show afterwards we'll talk about the characters and the plot and you know anything that's come up for us and so a lot of times entertainment whether it's music or social media or or movies netflix what have you whatever your kid is into then you know that's a way to get it to to connect with your kid also if they're reading harry potter you read harry potter so that you two can kind of have this similar language between you two that where the kid feels, oh, my, my parents really care about me. They they not only care about, you know, food, water, shelter, but they care about what I'm interested in. And and then through that language, you can talk um, to your kid through another character in a book or in a movie, et cetera, et cetera, and, and kind of get their input about it. So, for instance, you know, if your kid is struggling with uh, depression or stress and you watch a movie or TV show where the character is struggling through depression or stress, and to be like, "Wow, uh, why do you think that that character uh, is struggling with that? And how do you see them? Um, you know, how are they contributing to it? How are they getting help? Uh, is there anything that you've learned from that? Like, it's a way to get in touch with your kid." without directing the attention to your kid. Because a lot of kids, although, you know, they, they, they're at that age where they want attention and don't want it at the same time. And so having a, a third-party discussion is a great way to have uh, a conversation with your kid. And similarly, when a kid is opening up to you about their friends or, you know, other people in their, in their circle, it's the same thing. You want to listen we want to seek uh, understanding, but we don't want to offer solutions or answers. We, we just we want to be that, that person who's sitting shoulder to shoulder with them and having a conversation on a stoop. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling a 988 or any of the, uh, <laughs> the numbers. I'm so... <laughs> I just had a brain fart just now. 
um, calling any of the other numbers that are listed in any of the show notes. If you're in the Philippines, if you're in Chicago, if you're in uh, Alaska, wherever you are in the world, uh, you can chat, text, talk. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.